we have an outline today. And as you know, I've been in the book of Deuteronomy, but I'm taking a just an alternate route right now because of the fact that I was supposed to be teaching in the class, the oldest class today. Yet, because um, I wanted to give Pastor Stokes a reprieve and allow him to do some other stuff that he needed to get done, and hopefully he gets some rest, um, I am doing this on Tikva, which is actually what we focused on at youth camp this year. How many, and I, I told the parents the other day in our parent meeting, if you don't want your kids to go to the youth camp, you may not want them to be here because I'm going to talk about it this week. So I'm guessing a lot of parents don't want their kids to go to youth camp. That's not true. <clears throat> but you're going, right? I'm hoping. Soren, are you hoping to go to youth camp next year? Sure. Yeah. I would love to see this little guy go. But, hoping, what's, what's the Hebrew word for hope? Tikvah, good job. So, first on your list, right? Tikvah equals hope. So, I will fill these in if you don't catch them as we go along. Some of them are out of order, but that's okay. I first want to go into what it means um, from the societal point of what Tikvah is. What is hope? Defined by the Webster's Dictionary, it is to cherish a desire with the anticipation or to want something to happen or be so true. All right, so that's what the world's definition is according to the Webster's Dictionary. What is your hope of the world? We all have hope, right? We all have certain things that we hope for. Maybe it's worldly. Hopefully the stronger point is spiritual, and we'll get into that in a minute. What's your hope this week? I know, I hope, I'll give you some of my examples. I hope that if I go to work at the end of the week or at the end of the month, I hope I get paid. I hope, I tikva, I get paid. Amen. Right? We all hope that. Why? Because it supplies a house and a roof over our heads. You should be hoping that your parents go to work and they get paid. Yeah, we know they do, but we have that hope. As a parent, I hope, I tikva that my job will do their job and pay the health insurance. So when you get sick, or you get sick, or you get sick, that the health insurance will do what? Will pay the bill? Right? Right. The other day, a few months in a row, that wasn't working. I wasn't sure. I didn't know if I had Tikva in Kaiser. Because we kept getting sent a bill before that was took place before Leah was even born. It was for $350. I'm like, what's going on here? We have the insurance. So... I kept hoping that it would be taken care of before I took it to somebody that knows Kaiser. <clears throat> no, but... So we all have certain kinds of hope. We hope that mom and dad will set dinner on the table and we'll get fed. We hope that the Lord will continue to work in our lives, right? So that's a worldly one. What's our spiritual one? 
Let me tell you this. In 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, 3 and 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach, that's Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Wow, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven to you. Listen to this. The Mourner's Cottage says, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who comforts us in our mourning and grief. Wow, there's such mourning and grief when we know somebody that dies, right? But this next verse. And who gives us tikva of resurrection by faith in your Messiah, whom you raise from the dead. Blessed are you who raises the dead. You see, there's that worldly hope that says something to wish for, but we know what we're wishing for. The final determination of where we will spend all eternity. That's our hope. That is our hope. So, two on your outline. Tikva is always going to be in the future tense. Always going to be in the future tense. Right? Because we have hope in what will hopefully surpass one day. Can you have childlike tikva? Yeah, you can. There's a lot of people who come to church every week, Sunday after Sunday, or synagogue, Saturday after Saturday, and they just sit here. They do nothing. But they hope that one day, right? They have hope that one day they'll see Messiah and they will enter those gates. Let me tell you a story. This week, I've been putting in work after work because I want to lose some weight. I want to look good for my wife because I got that baby fat going on, right? So, but I've been eating, right? I've been eating salads and everything else that's healthy. I've been um, exercising. Is that childlike faith? Or am I putting it into practice? Putting it into practice, right? However, on the Sabbath, I say, hey, done away with that. I'm going to enjoy the day. So, childlike faith. On Sabbath this week, we had one in the middle of the week, didn't we? Because of um, the blowing of the shofar. I put it aside. I exercised a little bit, went on a walk with my family. Took Rebecca out. Just happened. She was doing great. Thought, hey, we should stop by BJ's and have some pazookies. My hope, my tikva was I would remain the same weight or lose a little bit that day. This is not very good hope, is it? So I got on the scale the next morning. I didn't gain over a pound. I gained some, some in between, but I didn't gain any. right? But my hope was I would maintain. Well, that wasn't very good hope. Hope is affixed with faith, and faith is action. Tikva works alongside faith. <clears throat> so, do you have a childlike faith? Should we be growing in it? Scripturally, John twenty twenty nine says, Jesus says to Thomas, his faith, his hope was a, like a child. 
Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. Jesus said that to Thomas himself. You see me, you said you wouldn't believe unless you saw the nail-stricken hands and the pierced side. Childlike, Tikva. We want to grow our children, right, into mature adults, into having strong faith and a strong hope in Messiah. When I was a child, I did things as a, as a child. When I grew, I put them aside. Growing up, <clears throat> when I, no matter when it was, when I was Anna's age or Soren's age, I was told, pretty much this is my mindset, up until adulthood even, don't steal, don't lie, don't bear false witness, don't do any of that. I thought, wow, God just doesn't want us to do anything and have a boring life. But he doesn't, does he? He wants us to help the poor. He wants us to go visit the widows and the orphans. He wants us to shine his light. When people say, why are you doing this? We say, because of God. Our tikvah, our hope, is because of him. We want to mature our hope. So again, yes to number four. Can you have tikvah without faith? Yes, you can. Is it going to be mature? It's not. Number five, who did not have tikvah and had to see with his own eyes the Messiah? That's Thomas. Thomas did. All right, <clears throat> going on to portion three. We're going to look at James 2, 14 through 17. In James 2, 14 through 17, we're going to look at maturing our tikvah, maturing our faith, right? Because it lo- works alongside, and it says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can the faith save him? If a brother or a sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, And one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body? What use is that? What use is that small faith? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. We take hope that God supplies for our needs. We need to supply for others, knowing that He will replace what we have with even better. The other day, like I was sharing with you, I took Rebecca to BJ's for those pazookis. She didn't know anything, and my first stop was at a, a a small town like dairy place, or not even dairy place, but a burger joint. Hoping I had hope that they would have ice cream. Well, that was the wrong kind of hope. They didn't have ice cream; they had burgers. But something even better popped into my mind, so we did that. See, when we do what God says, He replaces it with even better. It replaces that. This is number six. How do you make tikvah stronger? You put faith into practice. Right there, James says you can't have faith. It's pretty much dead if you don't do the works. Are any of us at all going to work our way into heaven? We're not. The scripture says not one of us will work our way into heaven, right? But we can have faith and we take sal- salvation gets us there. 
the smaller tikvah gets us there because we have the hope. But our faith gets us in and we start doing works because we take that faith seriously. Hebrews 5, 13 through 14 says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he or she is an infant. If all you're doing is sitting here week after week, and I've known people for years to just sit there week after week. But when they start putting it into practice, it is. It says, but solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Wow. We've got to take that tikvah, that hope, and put it into practice along with our faith. Why? Why should we do this? And how, how do we do this? Well, according to the scriptures, I've told you guys before, this is a great outline for parenting. It teaches us what to do and how to do it. So as Rebecca hears me telling Kara, hey, what, what about going to, uh, going to the park today and we'll do our walk and we'll let them play? She hears that. She has hope. She's sitting there. She's doing nothing for it. How do we mature our children? The same way God matures us. This is something that you can do in the congregation. This is something you can do in the community. It's small. Just do it. And as you do it, you start to take that next step. And he starts to mature you there. I tell Rebecca, if you clean your room, we'll go to the park. Right? I start giving her responsibility as she gets older. If she doesn't, Clean a room. Should I take her to the park? I know too many parents that do that. And that's a wrong thing to do because God doesn't say he'll bless you if you don't follow in his ways. So take that step. She does clean her room. I make sure I follow through. Her hope is that once she finishes cleaning her room, we're going to the park. Her tikvah. My hope is... This has been way too far since I've talked to Mike about what I could do here at the Disciple Center. But I took a step, and God matured me. I took a step, and God matured me. Take another step, and I find myself in the pulpit going, Ah, no! Am I, and I've heard other people, and you may say different, but I've heard other people saying, Your speaking has been improved. That's not me, that's God. God has used me in that way. So, we take those small steps and we mature. Why? Because we want our children to mature as well. We should love, teach our children. Soren, did you know this? That you should love discipline? You should love it when your mom and dad get on to you for doing something wrong. Yeah, I know. It's not good, huh? It's funny. Turn over to Hebrews 12. Let's look at this passage. Why? I was just reading this the other day, and it it came to me. I thought, wow, we've got to teach our kids the long game, right? It's not the short game. Short game doesn't get us to win Super Bowls or whatever you want to call it, NBA titles. No, the, the long game gets us. When we play 10 yards at a time, that's fine, but we have to remember the longer game. And the discipline is that. So, Hebrews 12, 7. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. 
For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the fathers, to the to the Father, one and only Father, and Spirit, and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But our Father in heaven disciplines us for our good, so that we may share His in His holiness. All discipline. This is why we do it. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Wow! I want a piece of that fruit. It seems harsh at the time. I don't want to get spanked. I never did as a child. I take it back around seven or eight when I was getting used to my mom's. I was like, "You spanked me before you ground me," right? But as I got older. The discipline got a little bit more harsh when I was out of my parents' um, rules. But yet this says it's for our better good. Just this week, Rebecca knows not to play in here. But yet she was on Wednesday night. And Pastor Mike said, hey, to a few of them, stop. You know better than that. And they stopped right away after Pastor Mike got on to them. And this verse, she and I had already discussed. And I thought, how do I make this a learning experience for her? And I called her over. I said, hey, you need to actually go to Pastor Mike and say thank you for correcting me. Thank you for caring so much about me that you're willing to stop me from doing something wrong. That's a shift in your mind, is it not? When those people come to me and I'm doing something wrong and they say, Trevor, you shouldn't be doing this. What? Okay. Thank you. Should it take two or three to come out? No, hopefully not. But if it does, thank you for correcting me. I don't want to do something wrong. I hope we have those type of relationships. Okay. <clears throat> Why? Why do it this way? It's so hard, isn't it? Not easy to raise our kids in this way. So, should we discipline our children? Absolutely, the scripture teaches us to. Do it appropriately, and according to their age appropriately. Why do it this way? Proverbs 22.6 says, Raise up a child in the ways of of the Lord and he shall she shall not depart from them when they grow older. I love that verse. I love that verse. My biggest hope. That's one of them. They won't depart from them. Third John 1:4 says, "I have no greater joy than this, to hear my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish." Wow, my mom has that in her in her house. And she says, "Tikva, I don't have to tikva anymore. I don't have to hope. I see my children raising her grandchildren that way." Wow. 
I don't have it. I'm still in the midst of it, which is a trial and tribulation, but it purifies us, right, for the better good. I tikva that my children, all three of my children, and watch out if one of your sons is actually going to marry my child because I'm already praying for him. And there will be a lot of faith that goes alongside of that with each one of those boys. And they will have to come along. But I pray for them right now. I take for, oh Lord, that you will raise men up for my daughters. And that you, oh Lord, will be the one that guides them towards my daughters and in that marriage. I take for, I hope that that happens. And I believe it will because my daughters will not let anybody but that happen with them. So that's my biggest tikvah, that this faith will be passed on. Don't turn to Hebrews 11. Don't do it, because I want to play a little game with you guys. You want to play a game? Okay, we're going to play a game. So you guys don't turn to your Bibles in chapter 11. No, not even the adults, because now we're going to... Do you guys want to do the young adults with against the adults or would you guys rather just play it by yourselves I'm going to let the littles answer that I'll let you play against yourself because I was hoping for at least five or six of you guys today but there's not that many so as I read through this on the back of this okay first let's go through this how do you make tikva stronger by faith in practice children shall be raised within the ways of the Lord Teach our children to have, I would, to love discipline. And then I wrote out that verse in John, or 3 John 1, 4, or, yeah, for you. So, on the back, you should have bullet points, right, or numbers. I'm going to go through here, and I'm going to read, but I'm going to take out the person... And you write in there which one you think it should be. But in Hebrews 11, before we get to the first one for you guys, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the world, the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Okay, so again, you can't see it, but there's tikva there. <clears throat> First one for you guys, which I have the answer, so that should, where did mine go? <laughs> I have them, they're not here. All right. I don't know, I, I should know it, right? All right. First one. By faith, someone offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Right? By faith. By, by tikvah, he acted. By hope. By faith. By faith. This person, number two, was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, 
he was pleasing to God. Number three. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, okay, so this is number three. By faith, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteous, which is according by faith. So by tikvah, by hope, by faith, he built an ark. Number four, by faith, this person, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs in the same promise. Number five. By faith, even this person herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now the next verses don't have a person. Therefore, there was born even one man, actually it does, one man, and him as good as dead as that, as many descendants as the stars of the heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith, without receiving the promises, but having seen them, and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So I didn't write that one down. Okay, so we're going through 16. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Wow, they had tikvah that they would enter into the heavenly kingdom. Their tikvah so long ago is the same as ours. Pretty amazing. Seven, verse 17, that's number six for you guys. By faith, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he who, to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is a, able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. <clears throat> so, that's one person, 17 through 19. Verse 20. This is number 7 for you guys. By faith, this person as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and worshipped learning on the top of the staff. On his staff. We've seen that, right? You see pictures of John Paul leaning on his staff in his latter days. Alright. 22. This is number 9 for you guys. By faith, this person, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel, 
and gave orders concerning his bones. Wow. 23. Their names aren't even in this, so I'm just going to read it. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Wow. The parents. Hopefully you know them. 24. Uh, that was that was number 10 for you guys. Number 9. That was by faith. This person, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Oh, okay. Come on, teacher. Hey, the outline's wrong. Okay. <clears throat> so we're going down to verse 24 through 27. This is one person. By faith, this person, when he had grown up, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considered, considered the reproach of Messiah greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. That's one person. So that's number 11 for you guys. All right. This next passage, 28 through 30, doesn't have a person, so let me read. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Keep saying faith, but think about that. You see the waters part. You have faith, you're going to walk. Do you also have tikvah that it won't fall on you? I would think so. Because guess what? The Egyptians had a similar tikvah, but they didn't. They weren't told to cross that water. Verse 30. Um, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Chapter, or verse 31. This is number 12. By faith, this harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. 32 through 40 is one person. And this is number 13. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth. Let me stop there just so you guys... Okay. Japheth, I'm just reading. Of David and Samuel and prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms and performed acts of righteousness and obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in the war, but foreign, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead. By resurrection and others were tortured and not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mocking and scourging. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. 
They have stoned. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in the desert and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these... Okay, this is Tikvah, so I can break this down. I will afterwards. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Chapter 12, 1-3 through three, is Tikvah. Uh, we'll talk about it in just a minute. Okay. Chapter 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, all these people that perished before us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on our tikvah, on Jesus, on our hope, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, so that you will have tikvah. You will have hope. You will have hope. We'll talk about the answers to this, but let us pray first. Abba, we do thank you. We thank you so much.